Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Will you give? If we cry mm-hmm. <laughs> Now what song is that from? Well, if you don't know, it doesn't matter. The point is that it starts off with a quote, and that quote is It's the loneliness that's the killer. And today's episode is all about loneliness. Now, loneliness is a big issue, as we know. Some people say that you can be surrounded by people but still feel lonely. I want to look at why it's such a problem, what the evidence is for loneliness being bad for us in terms of our health and also for society, and what we can do to try and curb the effects of loneliness. Is it okay to feel lonely? Some people actually like um, being on their own, but what does loneliness actually mean? How do we define it? So, where to start? Well, I think probably a definition. But just before I do that, I want to thank Wendy Bowen, who is known as Wendy Twinkle on Instagram, for actually suggesting this as a topic for a podcast. So thank you very much to Wendy, and I hope you enjoy it. So, What is loneliness? Well, it's interesting because it doesn't just mean being alone, because a lot of people are very happy on their own. And it's more of a feeling or a state of being, feeling lonely. Um, And although the word loneliness is a noun, like it's a thing, when people experience loneliness, they normally say, I'm feeling lonely, or they think that at least. Now, I guess it's reasonable to make an assumption from that, that if you're feeling like that, then that suggests that you need to be with other people, or that you need company. And I guess I've started there with what loneliness means to me, rather than actually defining it. But being a medic and having a kind of um, system for everything because that is how we're trained in medicine I would say this is no different there are actually different categories of loneliness and I think that might be quite useful sometimes it's useful to lay things out so that you can then 
go in a bit deeper afterwards and look at each category. Now what's odd is when you have a look online for you know psychological or social reports on loneliness and how to categorize them there are all sorts of theories and you know there are some papers that say there are seven types or nine types or four types or three types and it can all get a bit confusing and I like to keep things fairly simple so I'm going to go with three categories of loneliness which I think just about cover it so category number one is emotional loneliness and what do I mean by that well that's where you just don't have people to talk to so if you've got something going on in your life and you've got no one that you can really open up to that would be emotional loneliness quite straightforward I think in many ways number two is social loneliness now this is where you don't have a sense of belonging um, to a group or a real-life social network, not a digital one, as the ones that we're so used to. Now, most of us can experience that feeling when we walk into a party and don't recognise anyone, or you're on holiday somewhere very rural, say in the UK, and you walk into a pub or a cafe and it's full of local people and you feel like an outsider. That's social loneliness. But also on a slightly deeper level, it can mean that you lack social support. We've all heard the, the term social isolation. And the third category is often called collective loneliness. And this is where you don't have a network of people um, where you haven't found your tribe, I guess, you know, people who share your purpose. It's very strange because I think loneliness is one of these slightly nebulous um, concepts where it really is in the person's head um, as to how lonely they feel because it's very much a feelings-driven phenomenon. And it's never ceased to amaze me how, as a society, and, and actually as a doctor in practice for many years, I didn't really appreciate um that loneliness could be quite invisible so it's quite obvious if you've got someone who lives on their own um, and maybe frail or elderly um, but not always and how people around that type of person can make assumptions like well you know he keeps himself to himself you know he doesn't really like visitors he's he's grumpy but you know that person is obviously at very high risk of loneliness because they live on their own but it also affects people who are not elderly or frail they you know they're very active they're very healthy they live a fairly full life but they may be someone who lives on their own and if you've ever spoken to anyone or if you've got any friends who live on their own they will often tell you that their habits are quite unusual um, because they do live on their own and they, they you know I've got several friends over the years that, that have said to me oh no I'm really odd you know I, I do some odd things because I live on my own for example you know going to the loo with the door open but one or two of them have in in darker moments said that they feel lonely and I guess my quest is if if someone's not volunteering that information then 
is it um, something that we should be more aware of? Um, obviously, it's, it's not good to go looking for problems, but bearing in mind that we have had to social distance, in inverted commas, for so long now, and that rates of mental health problems and suicide are continuing to rise, is there a way that we can identify loneliness? It's a really hard one because, you know, people, anyone who's gone from that transition of moving from a town to somewhere more suburban or to a village will know that when you sort of make that transition, sometimes you're overwhelmed by the number of people that want to um, be friends with you. And you think, hang on a minute, these people are all really pushy. But, but actually, you know, in a way, that's great because they're sort of inviting you to be part of a community and that would prevent loneliness. Um, obviously, it can go the other way where um, you become totally overwhelmed with the, the amount of um, hubbub of an activity in a, in a particular community. So my first experience of this hidden loneliness was a chap who I saw, must be over 15 years ago, um, as a GP and he came in really with minor ailments, um, middle-aged, kind of, you know, early 50s. Very successful, um, two children, um, happily married, and really at the top of his game in some kind of financial career, uh, which I never really understood. But I noticed that he was quite a frequent attender, and... There are some patients that need that because they have extremely complex medical and social problems, but this chap didn't. And after several months, I realised that he was sort of booking in really for a chat, um, which is sometimes the role of a GP, but if it's happening again and again, then you start to wonder what's going on here. And I, I knew a rough outline of this chap's life, but... It was one day when he asked whether he could meet me for lunch outside work that I thought, hang on a minute, what's going on here? Um, and I was a much greener GP then. I'd only sort of been in general practice for about four years at that point. And it's only then that you start to work out family dynamics. It takes a while. And he suddenly looked very emotional, like he was going to cry and said, look, you know, the problem is I'm, I'm really lonely. And I have to say, I was taken aback because on the surface, this, to me certainly, here was a guy that seemed to have it all, you know, brilliant job, um, amazing family life from the kind of stories he'd say about their holidays and all of that stuff. But actually, no real friends and no support network and was working so hard that didn't really see his family very much. And also one of those types that works when he's on holiday and has his laptop with him. Now, I don't know whether you know people like that, but it was really, it was a real moment for me. And again, one of the things I always say in the podcast is never assume, never make assumptions. And I think I, I had done that, you know, stupidly. I, I, I made an assumption and it only, it took me so, I felt you know, stupid in a way, because it, it took me so long to realise that that was what was going on. So what was interesting about this chap was that he had 
pretty much all three types of loneliness despite being surrounded by people because he was the you know the boss as far as i could tell in a company that you know offered financial services so he's created this thing and lots of people work for him no one to talk to his problems about and actually quite shy in inverted commas you know so socially not someone who's social at all I'll come back to his story later, the story of Robert, Um, but what can we actually do about loneliness? I guess the very first step in all of this is just raising awareness of loneliness. And you know, that's at a population-wide level. Then if we look at groups of people who are likely to be at risk of loneliness, so for example, people who are bereaved or the elderly, we need to make sure there's support for them. And I was thinking about this quite hard because what does that actually mean in real life? And one of the most lovely things I've seen, I think, in the last few years is this idea of intergenerational communication. And that is where you have young children going into care homes, for example, interacting with the elderly. And Certainly when I was at school and was doing community service, I, you know, for one, once a week for an hour, I'd go round to an elderly um, gentleman's house and really keep him company. Um, and, and it sounds so simple. I didn't really appreciate the power of it at the time, but actually there's so much learning there that goes on from the younger person's point of view and as, as well as the the lonely person if you like um receiving some sort of therapy just by having connection with someone and then the next level up are those people that really are at high risk or are lonely and this needs special intervention and people who are trained in providing those services so we know there's evidence for example that cognitive behavioral therapy works quite well as a tool for people who are suffering with mental distress because of their loneliness and i guess the point with this is it's it's prevention in a way isn't it because we know the impacts of loneliness um and just to share some of those stats with you and again of course they're in the show notes But recent studies have shown that uh, poor social relationships was associated with a 29% increased risk of heart disease and a 32% increased risk of stroke. I mean, that is absolutely staggering. And of course, higher rates of depression, anxiety and suicide. And many of you will have seen the study that shows that loneliness is actually worse for you than smoking. Uh, which again I'll post in the show notes. So I'm going to come back to Robert because he was a really interesting case in the sense that his loneliness wasn't obvious. So he did a lot of things on a personal level which I think are are really useful and being a very logic-driven guy he really looked at how his life worked at home and at work and made a load of adaptations so they used to not eat together as a family and actually this was before smartphones were a thing so um you know 
someone would be watching TV in the lounge, two people would be eating in the kitchen and one person might just eat dinner later and they made a massive effort to eat dinner together. Now you might be thinking, how does that help the feeling of loneliness? Well, it's just connection. It's just the fact that you've taken some time to actually speak with the people that you live with. Otherwise you're just, you know, nothing but, you know, co-residents, aren't you? You're just living in the same building. The other thing he did was to make a massive effort with friends he'd lost touch with. He, he bumped into one at a fish and chip shop and spoke to him for 15 minutes or so and said it was just wonderful and one of the best conversations he'd had in years with anyone, you know. And so my analysis of what was going on with Robert was that he had just been head down, work, sleep, get through the day, do what you've got to do um, without stopping and kind of thinking about connecting with others. And what was interesting is the way that he was communicating with me in the consulting room was, you know, really, I think, perfectly social. But clearly the way his life was structured, all of his communications verbal and written were just purely transactional. They had no depth or meaning or joy in there. They were very much, you know, do this, you know, do this at the bank, transfer this amount of money, um, hey, we've got a team meeting, this, that and the other, rather than how are you today, what are you doing at the weekend, how was your day type thing. And, And these are really simple things, but someone who's lonely in the social sense, if we go back to the person who's socially isolated, no one asks them those things because often they're alone. And when we also think of the person who's surrounded by people but feels lonely, that's because you're surrounded by fake people. And that's not a good feeling either when you really know that they're not interested. Having said all that, if you've got your own stuff going on, it's really difficult to actually give the time to other people's problems. I totally appreciate that. The world is bruised and we're living through difficult times. But I think we stand to get a lot out of this if we just think about the other person and their position. And and remember, you yourself either have or could be in a position where you are lonely. We've all felt it. You know, I felt it several times in my life, both at school and at medical school. But, you know, ask any of my friends and they'll tell you that I was, you know, the life and soul of the party. But sometimes you get these moments where you think, you know what, I really need to speak to someone who really understands me. Um, And hey, as I say, no one's immune to this. So just think about others and what they're going through. Now, before I end, um, I want to hear what your solutions to loneliness are. So one of mine was music, bizarrely. Um, You know, whenever I felt lonely, I would switch on my Walkman. It doesn't even exist anymore. Some of you might know what that that is. Some of you might remember them. Um, And, or I would would disappear into this world of, of... listening to music uh, as escapism. Other people use books. 
If you've got any solutions that you think have helped you, then I'd love to hear those because I think these are the things, you know, these are the therapeutic things that are not in any textbook, but actually enrich your life. And I think that's the nature of what I'm interested in, what this podcast is all about. So do let me know. I'm going to end with a quote, as I often do. Um, I really love this one. This is by Mother Teresa, who lived and worked in Kolkata, which is the city that my parents were born in, um, in West Bengal. And so she um, holds a sort of special place in my heart. And her quote is, Loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. And that really strikes home for me because in the modern world we think of poverty as a lack of resource or money, but actually there are other types of poverty too. But to end on a positive note, because that was quite a, a solemn quote in some ways, the one other thing I want you to think about is that in a way, we have to make friends with loneliness. Um, so all of us feel it at times, and it never leaves us. But if it goes on for too long, we know what the effects can be. And as a result, I think we have a duty to just look out for each other. And I think that probably sums it up for this week. Listen, thanks again for listening. I'd love to hear more suggestions for podcast episodes. This one was suggested by Wendy, so thank you once again for that. In the meantime, do stay well, take care, and I will be with you again very shortly. Bye for now. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.